0: Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 830 or 1045 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.ubankbaptist. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. This time we want to uh, invite our children to uh, dismiss to their environment. Uh, Usually we have a video going at this point, but uh, we're taking a step outside of the series this morning as Pastor Clay is in New Orleans uh, representing our church at the convention uh, so we're going to let our kids get out here go to their environment so they can learn about Jesus and, and just as much as we can um, as they're doing that I just want to extend yet another uh, good morning and welcome uh, to everyone that is here uh, if you're here with us in person on our campus or you're joining us online we are so glad that you are here with us this morning um, in case you don't know who I am uh, maybe your guest uh, my name is Aaron Neal I'm the student pastor here which means I get paid to be a giant kid. Um, And I could use some prayers because this week I'm struggling because my mind thinks that I'm young, my body not so much. I told Becca, I said, I've never taken so much Tylenol in one week span before. Um, So i 'm wrestling with that so pray for me that I can just get over that um but no i I get paid to do uh, do big kid things we have camp we uh, just had camp this past week, and uh man it it was an incredible uh week for our students um all of our adults who were there could tell that God was working on every single student and we had um such cool conversations and uh for me the highlight um, of the week was that on on Wednesday at about ten fifteen at night uh Josh and I were talking to, to one of our students, and we, we were listening, and we, we heard uh, there in the worship center, there were about five or six kids on their own, not asked to, but on their one and two, worshiping by themselves. No soundboard, just worshiping. And that right there is why we do camp. Because in that moment, they, they realized that this thing that we call faith is their own, that they can practice it just as much as, as, as an adult can. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful to be here and to speak to you all this morning. As, as much of you all know, Pastor Clay is in New Orleans representing us at, at the convention, so he asked me to, to fill in, so I'm glad to do that. I'm happy to do that. And uh, in case you haven't figured it out, um, I know there's, there's a lot of clues around here, but today is our kickoff for VBS, and we are uh, very excited. Just for a moment, can we give it up for Jill and Becca, who's been kind of leading this and getting all this together? <laughs> They have been uh, the vision and, and, and the voice for for all this, and so we are excited for that. And uh, also, there is still time to register your kid. So if you have a kid and they're not registered yet, please sign them up. And if you can't figure it out online, show up tonight. We'll get them registered because we want to get as many kids in this place as possible but we want to get as many adults in this place as possible, too. That's why we have a class for adults. That's why we have a class for our students, so they can get plugged in. Because I know what it's like to, to hear that it's VBS week and hear um, that a message is, is, is kind of geared uh, from that. And it's easy to think, well, VBS is for kids, right? So why does it do? I, I'm, I'm not a kid. But what I believe is that the gospel, no matter whether it's told to a child or student or an adult, is the same. So the message behind VBS is just as applicable for an adult as it is a child. And we are excited for VBS. We believe uh, we believe that we serve a God of movement, which means that this week he has some big things planned for this church. He has some big things planned for our kids, uh, big things planned for our adults, for our helpers. Um, and as you can see um, on the screen behind me on your note sheets in the bulletin, uh, the, the, the theme for VBS was really a, a heavy influencer for the title of this conversation that I'm offering, which is called Navigating the Twists and Turns of Life. If you can remember to the VBS song a few moments ago, that twist and turns theme was spoken on several times. And this is the theme that our kids will be unpacking uh, this week, and and, and, and just in case you're thinking, well, VBS has nothing to do with me, I'm, I'm, I'm not a kid, tell me what adult? whether they're a Christian or not. Tell me what adult doesn't need to hear or be reminded that Jesus is holy, that Jesus is trustworthy, that Jesus is forgiving, he's worth following, and that he is for every single person. I know in my life I've, been, I've needed to be reminded of that several times. In those moments where I question God's presence or God's purpose, I need to be reminded that, hey, listen, God has a purpose in everything. So in our consideration of this twist and thurn, or twist and turns theme for us as adults, how does it show relevance to us? Because I don't know if you're like me, but, but whenever I open up the Bible, there's a part of me that says, well, well what does this have to do with me, right? If I'm reading through a chapter in the Bible, I think, well, what does this have to do with me? How does this relate to me and where I'm at? Well, what I have learned in my very short 31 years of life on this planet is that life is full of twists and turns. Life has those moments that we would say were unexpected, that we weren't expecting. You see, every decision that we make now will impact us later. As adults, we know this. We know that the decisions that we made back in our teen years or our young adult years are directly influencing us now. That's why we tell our students all the time, be careful of what you do now, because what you do now will directly impact who you are as an adult. The things that you believe in now will shape how you've experienced life as it goes on. So depending on how we respond maybe to a conversation that we weren't expecting or planning for a turn or or experiencing a series of moments that started off really well, we got what we wanted. We thought we had it all. And then all of a sudden it it changed. It, It wasn't as good as it once was. It wasn't as worthwhile as you thought it would be. And all of a sudden There's a twist and all of a sudden that thing that you had hoped for and and attempted to get and get and get all of a sudden is not worth the hype anymore. How we determine those moments or how we respond to those moments will determine the outcome of this game of life that we're all in. Because whether you realize it or not, you're in a game of life. But what if I told you, what if I told you there's a person... Who, all, who, has, who has radically changed the outcome of this life? What if I told you that there was a way to experience a full and abundant life simply by believing to trust in one person? What if I told you that following Jesus changes everything, no matter how many twists and turns are in your story? I believe that the question then becomes, how can you and I handle the inevitable twists and turns as well as we possibly can? Because they're going to happen. There may be less, there may be more, but they're going to happen irregardless. So when we ask that question of how can we handle this well, I think the following or the follow-up statement should go something like this. God, change my heart. Because let's be honest, if we uh responded to twists and turns the way that we wanted to naturally, it would not work out for us. In fact, it hasn't worked out for us, right? We could all, we, we could all share moments where we've tried our own thing. We've relied on our own strength, our our or our own intelligence, or our own plans, or our own uh attempts to plan things, and it has failed miserably. I know that in moments when I've tried to lead my family, or be the husband or the father that I'm called to be, and I try to do it on my own strength alone, I failed miserably. Miserably. So there has to be that moment where we say, God, change my heart. Change my heart to your plans. Change my heart to your will. Change my heart to your thoughts. Change my heart to how you see things and how you see people. So to begin our time of Directly engaging with God's word this morning, I want us to read through the theme verse of VBS this year, Psalm 25, verse 4. But we're also going to read verse 5 this morning because I think verse verse 5 is a really good verse to add on. So if you're able to this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me. If you're a guest, we do this just simply to honor God's word. Uh, We know that that ultimate authority and truth is found in the gospel, found in God's word. So we want to honor that the best way we can. So, look with me at Psalm chapter 25, verses 4 and 5. It says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. We pray with me. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the worship that we've already had this morning. And I pray that as we continue to worship through studying your word, that you would just speak to us. I pray that every person who is here on our campus or joining us online, I pray that their heart, that their ears, that their minds would be softened to your gospel this morning. I believe that you are a God of purpose. And so I believe there's a reason why this is the message you've given me. So I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that every word heard this morning is your word and not mine. I pray that every conversation that we press into, that we lean into this morning is not a conversation between ourselves and me as the pastor, but ourselves and you as our Heavenly Father. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he gave up everything for us to give us hope, to give us a life, to give us meaning and a purpose, and to bring us back to where you wanted us from the very beginning, which was to be with you. Father, I pray that you take all of our hearts and any places that are stone, replace them with a heart of flesh. Father, we love you. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And and as we uh, consider these verses in this declaration of God's change my heart, I want to invite us to consider the following question. How can you and I become better equipped to know the ways of the Lord and confidently follow the path He lays in front of us? I think it's important for all all of us to answer this question because here is the stark reality that if you're here and you have kids, grown or little, they're depending on you to get this right. If you have grandbabies, they're depending on you to get this right. If you have people at your work that that are under your supervision, they are trusting, they are depending on you to get this right. And so how can we be more equipped to handle these twists and turns well? This morning I would like to offer three takeaways, three considerations from three different places in Scripture that speak to this idea of a changed heart. Because let me tell you, at the forefront Asking God, declaring God to change my heart, that's the easy part. But the hard part, the difficult part, is what happens afterwards. Because it's one thing to say, God, change my heart. It's a different thing to let God change your heart. So this morning, I want to offer three takeaways, three ideas that can help us with what I believe this this experience of a heart change. So with that being said, let's begin to unpack the first takeaway this morning. Number one is this. A changed heart begins with a vulnerable heart. A changed heart begins with a vulnerable heart. The first place I want to go to this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read through verses 9 and 10 together this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 and 10. It says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong." If you've been in church for, we'll say, five minutes, you've probably heard a portion of this verse, this series of verses preached on by a pastor. Maybe you've heard it taught by a Sunday school teacher. Maybe someone has given it to you as an encouragement when you feel weak or when you feel overwhelmed. And maybe even, maybe even you've seen it on social media. Because this is one of them verses that just go really good with a sunset picture and a, and a, and a coffee mug on the table, right? Like you get the with the scripture and, and like, yeah, that's a great picture right there. I don't drink coffee. So that sounds terrible to me. But maybe you're a coffee drinker and that sounds great to you. But you've probably seen this verse and what I've what I've noticed in my own life is that when it comes to these more familiar verses when we get to them we can if we're not careful we can have this glazed over look of well I know how the story goes I know what I know what this verse says I know what it means and all of a sudden we take away God's opportunity to speak to us at camp uh, for one of our small groups we had them split between guys and girls and uh, Josh and I were leading the guys, and at the end, um, I, I I challenged all our guys to to have a life verse. You know that that verse that you go to again and again and again. That verse that you go to, that even though you've read it five hundred times, it has spoken to you five hundred different times. So I so I, I challenged them, hey, find a verse that is your go-to verse. One of the speakers, our our our, our Monday speaker, he said. The, the, the theme was Speak Jesus, and he said, before we can speak Jesus, we have to seek Jesus. And I don't know a better way to seek Jesus than to read his word that comes directly from him. So I challenge him to find a life verse that, that, that will speak to you, that you can go to again and again. So, for the sake of our, I hope, betterment this morning, I want to look at what's going on here in this familiar verse to maybe give us a spark, or maybe help us have this, uh, have a have a fresh perspective. But if there was ever a man in the Bible who was vulnerable in his writing, it was Paul. Paul did not hold anything back from us. Paul was not scared to talk about who he used to be before Jesus. And he certainly wasn't afraid to speak about who he was after Jesus. So Paul, he was vulnerable. He was willing to be honest with what he went through for the betterment of those who read his story. And in the verses that we just read in 2 Corinthians, Paul is in this moment of reflection. He's reflecting on how things have been going on on his journey so far. And, And in verse 9, we see Paul quoting Jesus By saying, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In this moment, Paul is inviting us as his readers now to consider how grace and weakness are connected. Often in in today's culture, those two things don't go together, do they? Often when someone's weak, the last thing they get is grace. But in, but in this verse, Paul is saying, listen, weakness and grace is connected, and he dives into that for us. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul was communicating a significant truth that not only influenced his journey, but also influenced his perspective on his journey. Because not only does God change and move and change us in our journey, he also changes our perspective of how we see things. So what we see here is that Jesus' strength is best seen through our weakness. His strength is best seen through our weakness. Now I know that statement might terrify you. It might scare you because let's be honest, no one, and I mean no one, wants to broadcast their weaknesses, right? You You don't see social media posts of people saying, look how weak I am. Don't see that, right? Instead, you see. Look, look at what I did. Look, look how look, at, look, look at, at how awesome this is. Look, look at our awesome house, our awesome car, our awesome vacation, our awesome kids. When the reality is, sometimes those awesome kids are not awesome. Right now, Amberlynn is going through the. Is is I, she's not two yet? But I, I swear she is. Yeah, I'm talking about you. She's like talking about me. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Because she 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 knows she's in control of the household. She knows she's the boss. That's why if you're not dancing, when she's dancing, she'll grab your hands, lift them up. That's why she'll pull you by the hand, pull your arm out of socket to get you to where she wants you to go. And so we we are very rare to broadcast our weaknesses. But what Paul says is that, If you want to most clearly see the strength of Jesus, then showcase your weakness. If we were to go back and read verses 7 and 8 of this passage, we would see that Paul, and you notice, Paul was given a thorn. Now, we don't know what the thorn was. It could have been something physical, emotional, uh, spiritual, uh, mental, whatever it was. We don't know what it was. But we know that it was so significant for Paul that he asked, asked God three separate times. God, remove this thorn. You've been there before where you've asked God, God, please remove this. Please remove this person from me. But yet they're still there. That's why you never pray for patience. I'm just saying. <laughs> the most dangerous prayer ever. So we don't know what, what, what this thorn was for Paul, but it was so significant that he asked God three different times, God, remove this thorn from me. And if you know how the scriptures go, that thorn was not removed to our knowledge But check this out. Despite not having the thorn removed, Paul was able to keep moving forward and even be in a place where he could boast about his weaknesses. Again, we would find that very difficult to do. In fact, with the help of social media, we do whatever we can to keep people from the truth and the reality that we are a mess. Right? We use social media to keep people away from the truth that we have our weaknesses We often allow our weaknesses to slow us down or to keep us from what God is communicating to us or what he has for us. In fact, if you go read through the Old Testament, a handful of people actually tried this too, and it didn't work for them. For example, Moses, he he tried to use the lack of ability. Well, God, I can't speak well enough. I stutter, I can't keep up with myself, so I'm not the guy to go tell Pharaoh, who is the most powerful man in the nation, to let his people go. I'm not the man. And God says, hey, Moses, you know your brother Aaron that's been with you all these years? Take him with you, because he can speak. He can do it. Gideon tried to use the excuse of a lack of status. Gideon tried to say, well, God, Listen. Two things. I'm part of the weakest clan. In addition, I am the weakest person in my clan, so double me there. Like, I, I am the king of weakness. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not your guy. But yet, God still says, go. Why? Because God knew how weak Gideon and Moses were. God knows how weak you and I are. But that does not change his calling for your life. Because when he gives you a calling, when he gives you a purpose, he will equip you to fulfill that calling and that purpose, whether you know it or not. And so what Paul is communicating in verse 9 is that our weakness just doesn't show Jesus' strength. Our weakness is an avenue for Jesus' grace. If we take into consideration the original meaning of the phrase, my grace is sufficient that we see we would see that that this grace of Jesus is adequate in the sense of providing contentment i'm not sure how many people would say that they are content in their weaknesses that's why people often are trying to better themselves right that's why people go maybe to college or they take a, a training online or they do something to better where they are, but this this sense of contentment that that is offered through grace means that His grace is adequate in the sense of providing contentment. What this means is that, that it's possible to be content despite our weaknesses. This means that despite what we may feel or be told at times by ourselves, our people around us, the world, the culture, whatever, despite all those things, our weaknesses don't have to keep us from what God has planned for us. You see, God promises a full and abundant life for those who believe in the name of Jesus. And that offer is for anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter what your story has been before doesn't matter how, how far gone you've been, doesn't matter how many times you've been in and out of church, does not matter any of that. That if anyone calls on the name of Jesus, they will be saved and be given that full and abundant life. We often use our, our weaknesses to convince ourselves that we don't deserve this or that or that we aren't good enough to have that full and abundant abundant life. But here, here is something about the gospel that you need to understand, that I need to understand. The gospel is not about you being enough. It never was and never will be. The gospel is about you trusting in the person who is enough and did enough. The gospel is about you trusting Jesus. That is the point of the gospel. That, is the point of every, of, 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 that should be the point of every message given from a pulpit or a stage. The gospel is not, is not about you being enough because you will never be enough. And if you think you will be enough, you will you'll spend your life chasing an idea while running from a reality of being content and not being enough in Jesus. At camp this past week, during our small groups, with again, with, with, with our guys, we, we were talking one day, I believe it was Thursday. Thursday was Jehovah, right, Becca? So Thursday, we were in our small groups unpacking this new song, uh, called Jehovah, and in the song, uh, they 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 state several names of of God, and uh, we were talking about the meanings, uh, you know, Jeho- uh, Jehovah, Rapha, all those things, and uh, you know, God that God that provides, heals all the things, and I and I told the guys, I said, hey guys, listen, 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 God can do all these things. He can provide. He can heal. He can supply what we need. But here is what we what, what we need to know. Yes, he can do these things, but you have to let him do these things. To my knowledge, and I could be wrong about this, but to my knowledge, Jesus has never forced himself on anyone. He's always made it a choice. So if we want to experience who Jesus is in his full entirety, we have to be willing to choose Jesus. As we consider this and where we are in 2023, and this changed heart coming from a vulnerable heart, I want us to notice Paul's perspective, because again, remember I said that, that, his, that this experience of God's grace changed not only his journey, but his perspective. I want you to notice Paul's perspective. In verse 10, we see that, that, that Paul is boasting. Paul is bragging about all these terrible things. You see, in light of experiencing God's grace, Paul was able to look at his weakness and his circumstances differently. He saw them as an opportunity to show the strength of Jesus and point others to Jesus. See, when Paul came to the other other side of his weaknesses, because I do believe. I know that sometimes the storms can be delayed, right? They can they can happen for a long time, but I do believe that in Jesus, if someone's in Jesus, that eventually there's going to be some light. Eventually, the storm is going to break. It, it may it may take a while, but it's going to break eventually. But on, the, on when 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 Paul came to the other side of his weakness, he wanted people to see Jesus and nothing else. Let me ask you a question this morning for you to consider. Is my hope that other people will see Jesus on the other side of my weaknesses and circumstances? Is your hope that people will see Jesus or is your hope that people will see you in your pity party? If I'm being honest, I lean more to the pity party. If I'm being honest, I, 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 I don't brag about my weaknesses. I don't think about well, how can Jesus or how, how can people see Jesus in this? You see, if we're truly going to consider this, we have to realize that for people to see Jesus in our weaknesses and circumstances, we have to let him in. We can't expect God to do big things while keeping him off into a distance. I mean, he'll do big things over there, but if he wants to be over here with you, he has to be here with you. I think think there's a cap on that That one. That would have been bad. we know that paul was not a had paul did not have the cleanest record okay we all know that we all know that before jesus paul was the guy that people ran from <laughs> he was the guy that people would avoid like the plague but then after he came to jesus he was the guy people were running to not because of paul not because of him but because of who because of who he followed we have to approach god with a vulnerable heart some of us and I'll and i put myself in this camp. Some of us we have a hard time with this issue called pride. I can do it myself. I can handle it myself. I'm a I'm a man, right? I'm a woman. <laughs> I, I, I got in trouble this week because I, I called our call our girls girls. And Becca's like, no, they're ladies. So woman. There you go. Everybody. Everybody's involved. But some of us we wrestle with that, don't we? I know I do. I know that there are times where I Think, okay, I can do this. I got this. Now, there's times I know I can't. Like, I, I know that I, I cannot build anything. I know that if I try to build something, it would fall down instantly. I walk away, done. I can, I can draw stick figures, kind of. So there's things I know that I can't do. But there's moments that I come to my life, and I, and I think, okay, I'm going to be the best dad ever. And then I fail. I'm going to be the best husband ever. Then I fail. I'm going to be the best, fill in the blank. And then probably you fail. Well, Aaron, you don't understand what I go through. Yes, I don't understand what you go through. I don't. I don't know your story. But I do know who you are. And every single person in this building right now, whether you know Jesus or not, you are a sinner. You are full of sin. But some of us, we have been... Changed and redeemed by Jesus, and some of us haven't. It's the same out there. There's people in the world right now, they know who Jesus is, they know all about him, they know the stories, but they haven't made that commitment to him. So we have to approach God, and we have to strip away the pride, strip away uh the the, the arrogance, strip away the, the the idea that we can do anything and everything, strip all that away and say, God, change my heart. Because sometimes we are terrible at handling the twists and turns of life. And we say, God, change my heart. Because if you don't change my heart, we're all in trouble. If you don't change my heart, God, I'm in trouble. On Thursday night of camp, Clay came and spoke to our students. And it was a really, really good way to end the week. Clay gave them a challenge to come to the altar and pray for at least one person that they would be intentional with about sharing the gospel with. Now y'all know students sometimes are a little bashful, sometimes walking up front is not the cool thing to do, right? But nearly every student was at the altar that night. And we sang the song here again like 10 times because they were vulnerable in that moment saying, God, here, here I am. And we were done. I said, guys, I had, all, I had all the adults who were with us pray over our students. I said, guys, you, sat, you, you, you were just given a really cool opportunity. You saw your brothers and sisters on, on, on this altar. Now, when you leave tomorrow, you have the opportunity to, to walk with them and to say, hey, how you doing? Hey, I knew you were at the altar. How you doing with that? Have you talked to that person yet? I said, guys, you get the opportunity to be the church that you're called to be. You get to build each other up. Encourage each other and love each other from here on out. My prayer for for this fall for our students is that they would just let go. Because if you were at camp on Wednesday with us, you you heard them sing. They can sing. And they're good. But for whatever reason, there's like this, this, this wall almost. And what I want them to understand is this, that, guys, the same thing that happened at camp for a week straight can happen down there every single Sunday and every, and every single Wednesday night. Because the same God we worship at camp is the same God we worship down there every single week. The same songs that we sing at, at camp are the same songs we sing down there. So the songs that you were getting into, the songs that you were singing out loud, you didn't care about who was around you, you were into it, do the same thing down there on Wednesdays. So my prayer is that this fall, that we're going to step back and let, we're going to let go. And we're going to say, God, here we are, do what you want, and we're going to follow you no matter what. I love that song. We will follow you no matter what. But before we can follow, we have to be vulnerable and say, God, change my heart. Because when we, when we say, God, change my heart, we are acknowledging that God has a purpose And is working through every little thing in our lives. So if a changed heart begins with a vulnerable heart, how is it maintained? Because it's it's, it's, it's not enough to just start well. You see, God wants you to finish well. So how can we finish well? How can we maintain this changed heart? Well, number two is this. A changed heart is carried by a consistent heart. A changed heart is carried by a consistent heart. Look with me at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so, so, so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Along with Paul being a man who was vulnerable in his writing, open about what he went through. He was also a man who was, who was very direct in his writing. There, there are some scriptures that require you to dig a little bit deeper. There are some scriptures that, that, that require you to study a little bit more. But there are some scriptures that are so clear as day that you can go to it and immediately know what, what, he, what he's trying to communicate. And Paul was one of those guys That There was some stuff that Paul said that, go study a little bit more, but there were some things that Paul said that was very, very clear. And that if you can understand English, you can understand what Paul was trying to say. So in this, in these opening verses in Romans 6, Paul, he asked a very pointed question. We see him ask if a person should keep on sinning in order that they might experience more of God's grace. You see, this question, I think, possibly came from how people might have interpreted the end of chapter 5. If you go back to the end of chapter 5, there's this idea that that Paul writes about that says, where more sin is, grace may abound. And so people might might, might have read that and and might have thought, okay, well, Paul's telling us that we should sin more to experience more of God's grace, right? And Paul says, absolutely not. And he even adds an exclamation point at the end. Which means he says, absolutely not! What I believe Paul was trying to communicate in this opening verse of 6 is that God's gift of grace was not meant to be used as an excuse to sin. I believe that Paul was telling his readers then and us now That it's silly to think, well, you know, I'm going to receive God's grace anyway, so what's the point? And the sad thing is, there are people who believe that. There are are people that believe, well, God's going to forgive me anyway, so what's the point? And I know it's true because I've thought that before. When I was young, (laughs) when I was in high school, I thought that all the time. God's going to forgive me. I'm a teenager. We're stupid, so here we go. But well, let me tell you this, if, 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 if you're thinking that this morning, God's grace is not meant to excuse us to sin. God's grace is meant to save us from sin. God's grace is not a free pass to do whatever you want. God's grace is not a free pass to elevate sin in your life. God's grace is meant to save you from sin. It's meant to pull you away from those things. And if I can be just brutally honest this morning, We cheapen God's grace every time we choose to sin. Now, I'm not talking about the moments that your nature gets the best of you. Because you are a sinner. Even if you are saved by Jesus, you're still a sinner. Even the most faithful and oldest Christian in this world right now still sins every single day. But I'm talking about the moments that you choose to sin. The moments that you choose to elevate sin in your life. One of the best conversations Josh and I had at camp was with one of our students and we told them, we said, hey, listen, you're going to sin. You're going to mess up. So stop beating yourself up for it. To the, the, the point of the cross was not for you to beat yourself up for your sin. The point of the cross was to save you from your sin and to trust in the one who has forgiven your sin and who will keep your sin. As we consider the relevancy of of this conversation to us in 2023. I want to bring our attention to to verse 2 of Romans 6. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? In this moment, Paul invites us to consider another question. He invites us to think about our identity as someone who has died to sin and how we can't live in it any longer. And as I was uh, preparing for, for this message, um, in, in one of the study commentaries that I use primarily, it, it, it talked about this. And I love what the word says. So I'm just going I'm, I'm to read to you what it says. I don't want to mess it up. But it says this in the study commentary Death, whether physical or spiritual, means separation, not extinction. Death to sin is separation from sin's power, not the existence of sin. So what does this mean for us regarding a consistent heart? Having a consistent heart is not about keeping perfection from sin. Having a consistent heart is about keeping separation from sin. Listen, God's expectation of us is not to be perfect. Or His expectation is not for us to be perfect. God does not expect you to be perfect. Know everything. That is not His purpose or not his and in, in fact and that wasn't his plan or that wasn't his his expectation all the way back in Genesis you see when sin came into the world he knew that it was going to affect every single person so God does not want you to be perfect in what you do because you can't be but God does want you to try to separate yourself from sin he wants you to try and keep yourselves ourselves as far away from the things, the people and the relationships that lead us to elevate sin in our lives. So church is not, is, is not about being perfect. Trust me, church is not perfect. Every church, including ours, has its issues. And be here long enough, you'll find them. okay? That's the nature of church. Go down to any other church, another state, same thing. Be here long enough, they're going to have their own issues. So church is not about being perfect. Church is about looking towards the one, fixing our eyes on the one who is perfect, and that is Jesus. In fact, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we see this. Listen to what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. "...fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If the church does not have their eyes fixed on Jesus, they will die eventually." If you do not have your eyes fixed on Jesus as a Christian, you will fail miserably. We weren't told to eradicate sin. We weren't told to make it disappear. No, we were told to throw it off. To throw it away that's why we say when someone becomes a new Christian that you're gonna that you are walking away from who you used to be who you used to be is dead and gone who you used to be doesn't matter anymore who you are now in Jesus is is is, is that is what matters when we go through those twists and turns it's very easy to to take our eyes off Jesus isn't it when life is good when you pass go that's right eyes are on Jesus right But it's when those twists and turns happen that all of a sudden our, our attention gets a little bit frayed. If you're here this morning and you're listening to this conversation and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, this morning, that is his only expectation for you. His only expectation for you this morning, if you have not done this, is to place your faith in him, to say that you believe that you're a sinner who needs his son Jesus to save you. His expectation is for you to turn away from your sin in your life apart from him and turn towards his son Jesus who gives that life with him. As we begin to, to wrap up this conversation this morning, I want to turn our attention to the third and final takeaway which is this, number three, a changed heart is made complete through Jesus. A changed heart is made complete through Jesus. For a moment, listen to the words of Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the, de- of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness he is the head over every power and authority. As Paul's writing to this church, he is telling them that it's only through Jesus that they are going to experience being complete and full. We all know what it's like to run on empty, don't we? We all know what it's like to have nothing left in the tank and still try to figure out how to go. If you have parents, you do it. If you, if you have kids, you do it all the time, right? because there's just not enough time in the day and they just, by eight o'clock, your energy's gone and they're still going, they're like the, the energizer buddy. <laughs> like, it's weird. Like, Emberlyn, not go to bed like, almost been every, every night this week and she was fine. I don't know how. But we know what it's like to run into. We know what it's like to have nothing left and just to find anything to give us, like just finding the smallest thing to give us energy. We'll go to social media, we'll go to we'll, we'll go to a self-help book, we'll go to a self-help magazine, we'll go to our friends, we'll go to our family. But we <laughs> if we want to be filled completely, but not just filled, but to be overflowing, the only place to find that is in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Taking into consideration the original meaning of the word deity, Paul is using this word to describe Christ's essence of God. Because you see, Jesus was fully God as well as fully man. What this means is that Jesus is God. He has the power to save sin, but yet he is human, which means he knows exactly what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by those closest to him. He He knows what it's like for people to talk bad about him. He knows what it's like for people to avoid him. He knows knows what it's like to stand out as someone who believes, thinks, and lives differently. He is our high priest that has full understanding of what we go through. He gets you, he sees you, and and he hears you. And he knows what it's like to face temptation. Because he faced it for 40 days straight. how i want to end this conversation this morning is a little different than usual but i want to share the gospel with you and i want to follow that up with an illustration my i like illustrations they just help me see <laughs> see things better um but 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 here's why i want to end with the gospel cuz for a while now god's placed this conviction in my heart as a pastor that not every person who sits in a church chair or pew is a christian not every person who listens to a spiritual podcast of a church or from a church is a christian everyone who identifies himself as a christian on a report is not a christian so what i want to do is just in the in the case that there is someone here whether you've been in church your entire life or this is your first time, whether someone is online right now, if you have never made that that that, that commitment, I want to share with you how. Because the gospel only points us to one thing, and that is Jesus. That's why we're made complete through Jesus and nothing else, because it is through Him that we that we're pointed to you through the gospel. So I want to start. And Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. Now this is not usually included when you, when you include the plan of salvation. But what I want you to see is just how drastically things change. Just how drastically things can change when sin comes into the picture. You see in, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and then there was evening the sixth day. So God looked at everything he had made and said, man, this is really, really good. He saw the fact that Adam and Eve had what they needed. He said, this is good. So that's how things were, were supposed to be. But check out what happens when sin comes into the picture, what happened when sin did come into the picture. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So every single person on this planet falls short of the glory of God. Every single pastor, Every single staff member of a church, every single deacon, every single church leader, we all, we all, <laughs> everyone who has breath falls short. If you want to know what the what the standard is that we're trying to pursue, it's everything written in this book right here. I mean, it, it, maybe even some easy things You like, like honor your father and mother. Pretty easy, right? But sometimes we, we are terrible at that, right? Even as grown-ups, we're terrible at that. So everyone falls short. That's where we all are. That, that, that is where we are without Jesus. And just like everything else in the world, our sin costs something. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So because we're filled with sin, because we're filled with mistakes, regrets, guilt, shame, all those things, we deserve the cross see, the cross was the ultimate form of death. But notice what the second part of this verse says. But the gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, which means that God was not satisfied with you or I being apart from him, so he turned the cross upside down and made it a place of life and not death. And you want to know why and how that happened? Jesus. In John 14, 6, it says this. He answered, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to get to God, the only place to go through is Jesus and the cross. That's why VBS is about Jesus and nothing else. That's why the the gospel is for anyone and for everyone because Jesus can save everyone. Jesus can save anyone, but here's the thing: we have to let Jesus save us. We have, we have to choose Jesus. Now, like I said, I'm a very visual, visual person. So this is going to represent Jesus. I don't know if you've seen this before. This this is called a magic towel, a magic towel. And what's cool about this is that it comes like this, and believe it or not, it it, it is a towel. But if you've used these before, you know. That in order for it to fill its purpose, in order for it to fill its job that it was meant to be, meant to do, has to be exposed to water. But here's the thing. If I put this in the water right now like it is, with the plastic still on, nothing's going to happen. No matter how deep I put it into the water, no matter how long I hold it in there, nothing changes. Nothing. Remember how I said in the beginning that a changed heart comes through a vulnerable heart? You see, in order to get this towel even remotely close to doing what it's supposed to be doing, the outer shell has to be removed. Now the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the gospel, the Bible, His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It can can pierce bone and marrow and sever joints. We're going to say this is God's word. All it takes is for God to do one little thing. One one word from God can do incredible things. When we're willing to let go of our pride, let down the wall of arrogance or whatever, all of a sudden, now there's more opportunity for God to change that heart. Here's the thing. Remember how I said that there has to be a sense of consistency. Now, if I just put one corner of this into the water, without fully submerging it, doesn't really do anything, does it? Changes it a little bit. It's a little change. Like, you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go to church when when I feel like it. I'll, I'll go to church Sundays, and I might go to a Wednesday here and there. But you know, when, when it's summertime we're busy, there's vacations, there's things going on. The kids want to sleep, so you know we'll, we'll fit in church when we can. We'll fit in God when we can. So we're, we're not going to be fully committed, but we're going of kind of be here and there when we can. Still, it's, it's working a little better. It's getting closer, but there's still parts that haven't changed. In order for there to be change, there has to be consistency. In order for God to change your heart, there has to be a full commitment. You have to be fully submerged in Jesus. You have to say, no, no matter what, I'm here. No matter what, even if I'm at camp all week and I don't go to bed till midnight, I'm still reading your word. Now I want you to notice what happens. All of a sudden, we're back to being what we're meant to do, which is to be a towel. This only happened because it was fully submerged in water. The only way for you to be fully living out your calling is to be fully submerged in Jesus. This morning, maybe you're here. Like I said, you've never, you've never made that commitment. You've never placed your faith in Jesus. You're that hard shell of a towel and you just never have given that, given that all. Maybe for you, that's where you gotta start this morning where you say, you know what, I am done and I am all yours Jesus maybe you're here and you have placed your faith and you have done that but your Bible reading or your praying or whatever you're serving has been kind of hit or miss you've been busy and overwhelmed and whatever but you haven't fully submerged yourself maybe you're here this morning and like me there's a place there's several places in your heart where you where you need to declare to god god change my heart change my heart to fit your will to fit your vision to fit what you want to do as they sing this final song i'll be up here and i would love to pray with you maybe you're here and you've never joined a church biblically you're called to be part of a church you're called to be part of a community. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've been looking. Listen, we would love to have you here. We got our flaws. We got our mistakes. But hey, we love Jesus. and that, That's all that matters. Maybe baptism is your decision where you've never been baptized. But whatever your conversation is, I would love to help you in whatever way I can. So I'll be here while they're singing. Your, your chair, right where, you, right where you're at, can be an altar as well. Because here's the cool thing. God meets us where we are. Whether we're inside of a church or we're outside of a church. So you can encounter God right now if you're if you're online, if you're at home, in your car listening, you can join, you can meet God right now. But I would love to help you in that, however I can. But this moment we're gonna call a response time. This is just simply our way to respond to who God is and what he's been saying to us this morning. Will you pray with me, Father? We are so grateful for who you are. We are so grateful that you are a God who changes everything. I want to pray right now for the one or several who are here and maybe they've never truly made that commitment. They've played church. They've sung the songs. They've raised their hand. They can read out of a Bible. They can read a screen, but they have never had that moment where they strip away the outer shell, and they've never had a moment where they said, God, I am nothing, I'm not enough, and I need your son Jesus to step in and save me. God, your gospel is clear in Romans 10, 9, that if anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, that they will receive salvation from you. So I want to pray for the one who might need to do that. I want to pray for the few or the many that may need to do that. But God, I also want to pray for the one they've made their decision, they've made their commitment, but here lately, for whatever reason, whether it be stress, overwhelmness, anxiety, depression, whatever, that for whatever reason, here lately they have been struggling to keep their eyes on you. They've had their eyes fixed on a relationship, a circumstance, a situation, but they've they've taken their eyes off you. For that person, I want to pray that this morning that they would come to your altar, come to the foot of the cross and say, God, change my heart, fix my eyes on you, Jesus. Because we know, we know that when we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, that is when you start to move and change things. Father, I pray that in this moment that we would all let down our guard, tear down the wall and let you do what you know you need to do in our lives. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it is in his powerful name that we pray. Amen.